Acts 2, 42-47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We are in the midst of a series called Stay on Target, where we are talking about God's mission for his church. And this week, you've joined us when we're talking about one of the three most important activities we think we can do as a church. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But first, let me tell you about a group of friends I had in college. In college, I had a really good group of friends. All six of us were music majors, and so we had almost every class together. We all had similar senses of humor. We all enjoyed skipping class on the first day of fall to go sit on the quad and enjoy the weather. It just so happened that five of the six of us had names that started with K. So Katie, Katie, Kelly, Karen, and Christina. The sixth one was Laura, but her middle name was Catherine, so it was okay. (laughs) At some point, we started to call our little group of friends K-Dog. We were so cool. K-Dog was our name. Uh, We spent a lot of time together. We got to know each other's families. We spent vacations together. We did group Halloween costumes at at Halloween time. Uh, One year, we even had formal Christmas photos taken together. (laughs) Um, Over time, we've been in each other's weddings. We've been there when each other's kids were born. One of the K-Dogs even married my older brother, so I get to keep her forever. We used to get together every year for Christmas. Now we live in different parts of the country and we have jobs and kids and families that make it hard for us all to be together. This photo, uh, when Silas, my eight-year-old, was a baby, um, was probably the last time all of us were together in one place with our families. Over time, we've seen each other a little bit less. Our communication is a little less frequent. But this is a group of people that will always be dear to me. This group of friends was one of the first experiences I had of real deep community. Spending so much time together, we had a lot of fun. And we had a lot of opportunities to hurt each other. We've seen each other at our worst. We know each other's ugly secrets. We've been annoyed with each other. We've had to apologize to each other. We've had to forgive. We've had to navigate our way through what community looks like in these different seasons of our lives. It's beautiful. Have you had friendships like this? Where you walk with each other through good times and bad? Where you experience healthy conflict resolution? Where you stick with each other even though it's hard? If you have relationships like this, you know what a gift that is. It's beautiful. How safe it feels. These kinds of friendships seem rare, but I don't think they're supposed to. I think, in fact, that friendship like this is exactly what God intends for his community of people, the church. And that's what we're going to talk about today, 
community. How we can experience this kind of deep, safe, resilient community right here at Harbor of Hope. Over the past few weeks, as I said, we've been talking about exactly what we're supposed to be about as a church. We said that our mission at Harbor of Hope is to help people find their way back to God, to help every person know God, to help all creation flourish, to help everyone experience God's shalom, his perfect peace. We said that our focus on that mission is on the ones who aren't here yet. So everything we do has the goal of bringing in people who aren't yet here. And last week, we began talking about the three main activities the church does, three main strategies, if you will, we have to accomplish this mission that God has given us. We've said that here at Harbor of Hope, our three main strategies are to live fully in worship, to love deeply in community, and to give freely in service. Last Sunday, we talked about the primary importance of worship, that when we worship, we're reminded who God is and who we are. And in worship, we're given, our, we're given an opportunity to realign our lives around God's mission of shalom. Worship for the church is non-negotiable. Today, we're talking about another non-negotiable for the church, community. Here at Harbor, we believe that we cannot be the church God has called us to be if we don't choose to love deeply in community. This coming week in the daily devotions, you're going to have some more time to read some verses about why we need community, how God created us from community, for community from the beginning. So if you haven't grabbed your daily devotional yet, there are some back on that welcome table that you can grab as you leave, or if you're more of an like, online kind of person, we do post them on Facebook and on our website every day. But we're going to talk about that this week. But today, I want to tell you where the phrase love deeply comes from. Why is that our phrase here at Harbor? Why do we say that? Well, the phrase love deeply comes from the book of 1 Peter. Twice in the short book of 1 Peter, Peter commands the church to love each other deeply. In 1 Peter 1, he says, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. And then again in chapter 4, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. This command to love each other is all over the Bible. <laughs> Jesus said it. In John 15, he says, This is my commandment, that you love each other as I have loved you. That's a lot of love. Paul commanded the Roman church, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Clearly, this command to love is important. Jesus even says in John 13 that by this, all people will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Love is to be the defining characteristic of the church. It is to be the way people know who we are. So this activity of loving deeply in community is vitally important to the church. It sounds nice, doesn't it? Love that is so beautiful that it shows the world around us that Jesus really is who he says he is. But the reality 
is that community like this takes work. Community like that is hard won. A few moments ago, Jeremy read Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. Many churches over the last 2,000 years have looked to those verses to inform how to build a healthy church community. And as I read through those verses over the past couple of weeks as I was preparing for today's message, there's one word that just stuck out to me. A word that's been there all along in these verses, but that I must have missed before. I think, though, that this one word is an important key to understanding how exactly the early church experienced such a vibrant community. This word tells us something about the posture of the early church toward their practice of community. And I think this one word might explain the healthy flourishing of the early church. It's in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Devoted. Devoted. The early Christians devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to learning more about Jesus. They devoted themselves to being present in community. They devoted themselves to eating together, devoted themselves to praying for each other. The Greek word for devoted is an action word, and it's a strong word. It means to be continually resolute, to dig in your heels to keep being faithful, to be ongoingly steadfast, single-minded, to persevere in this readiness for the community. I think paying attention to this little word might help us understand how the early church thought about loving each other deeply. This word devoted is a verb. It's a verb that describes a continuing, intentional action. That means it's a choice. The early church made a choice. They chose to make a priority of the Christian community. They chose to elevate the importance of their time together, learning and worshiping and eating and serving each other. This is important because it tells us that the flourishing of the early church didn't just happen. They didn't just have some sort of magical love for each other that precluded them from having any disagreements or arguments. In fact, if you read the rest of the book of Acts and most of the New Testament, you'll see that, in fact, the early church was every bit as dysfunctional and problematic as the church today. But they chose community. They chose to be devoted despite their disagreements despite the annoyances that happen whenever you spend very much time with another human being, despite their personality differences, their political differences, their theological differences, over and over and over, the early church devoted themselves to their community. What did that look like? Verse 42 tells us, he said that, verse 42 says that they were devoted to four things, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, prayer. And the rest of the verses Jeremy read earlier expand on what happened when they did that. They were devoted to teaching. As a community, they chose to be humble, 
they chose to be in a posture of being teachable. They had a posture of learning more and more about what it meant to live as a Christian community. They devoted themselves to hearing God's word. They did this at the temple as they heard from the Hebrew Bible that they had, which we call our Old Testament. And they did this from listening to the apostles, to the stories the apostles told about what Jesus had said. They did this by listening to each other's experiences, by understanding how others in the community thought about living out their life as a community. Here at Harbor, that's what we do. We do that on Sundays when we gather to hear teaching from God's word. We do that throughout the week in our journey groups. Uh, These past two weeks, this season, I'm in a journey group um, where we are just reading stories from the life of Jesus and then talking about them together. We're following a method of Bible study where we talk about what the passage tells us about God, what the passage tells us about humanity, and what that means for the way we're living. What's something we might need to change as a result of what we've learned? And then each week, we ask each other, well, how did it go changing this week? (laughs) That's just one example, right, of the way that we can be devoted to being teachable, devoted to being formed by the word of God together. So they devoted themselves to teaching, to learning. The second thing the early church devoted itself to was fellowship. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. Koinonia means a shared community life. Koinonia means that our connection and commitment to each other is based on our common desire to be a part of what God is up to in the world. This koinonia, this fellowship, can be diverse. The Christian community is made up of people who have all chosen the way of Jesus and so choose each other, even though, listen, they may disagree on everything but Jesus. Everything but Jesus. That meant in the early church that Jews and Gentiles worshipped together. People from different countries worshipped together. Men and women worshipped together. Slaves and masters worshipped together. The people who out in the world were the most opposed to each other worshipped together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that was probably not a picnic all the time. (laughs) Here at Harbor, we experience this. Right? In this room, we have different opinions on a lot of things. We differ in small things like what color we think the paint should be and what time maybe a church service should be at or what sport team to cheer for. We might differ in our understanding of even some of the problems in our world and how to solve them. We might disagree on theological issues like speaking in tongues or how we should practice baptism. We might even differ in big things that in some churches mean you can't belong like the role of men and women and what God's plan for marriage looks like. But here at Harbor, we've decided that we can disagree on all those things as long as we agree on Jesus. Here at Harbor, we choose fellowship. We will decide that despite our differences, we are going to be a part of what God is up to in the world. We trust that our shared center of the gospel of Jesus is enough to hold us together. And that's no small thing. It's hard. It's hard. That's why we have to devote ourselves, decide, choose, dig in our heels about fellowship. 
We have to be steadfast and continually resolute that we will fight for our community. Because if we don't make a choice ahead of time, if we don't decide we're going to, if we don't devote ourselves to the fellowship family, our fellowship won't make it. The next two things that this verse lists, I think, are what help us to be devoted to the fellowship. So let's keep reading. These two things help us devote to the community even when it's hard. Breaking bread and prayer. The early church devoted itself to breaking bread together. This means they made a priority of eating meals together. Verse 46 says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Their meals together developed the friendships that sustained community. Their meals together were an opportunity to remember what Jesus had done for them because all of their meals contained the elements we used in communion, bread and wine. Those were common elements in a meal. That's why they were chosen. That's why Jesus used them because they happened to be at the table. So every time they met together, every time they ate together, they held wine. Every time they ate together, they held bread and they remembered Jesus' body and blood broken and shed to forgive their sins and restore them to the community. This continual reminder of God's grace is what enabled them to have love and grace towards each other. And eating together is such a great way to build community. It's a sign of friendship, of family. It's a time to just enjoy each other's company. It's how we move from the sort of maybe formal relationships that happen just on Sundays attending church to the more informal and deeper friendships that might happen outside of a service like this. Last spring, I was in a journey group uh, with several other couples, and we met every Monday night to go through a marriage book together. One week, one of the women in the group spoke up and said that every Monday night, she did not feel like coming. It was Monday, hello, so she was tired, <laughs> like we all were. She said, I would rather just stay home in my PJs and watch Netflix. But every week, she was so glad she came. Every week, she was so blessed by being together. And it was so good that she said that because it opened up an honest conversation for all of us to say, me too. <laughs> I don't feel like being here. Sometimes choosing community doesn't feel good. Sometimes it doesn't feel convenient. But my goodness, how blessed we were by choosing community. Choosing to spend time together takes intentionality. It takes effort. But the early church saw how very worth it it was. That's why starting today, we're going to start a new tradition at Harbor. And you all are here for the inaugural first Sunday fellowship. <laughs> the first Sunday of every month, we're going to have a little bit of food after services. We're going to have bagels, pastries. We'll keep the coffee out longer. And our hope is that you hang around, grab a bagel, sit down, talk to someone. Because we want to encourage the practice of eating together. Our hope is that here at Harbor, our time spent together moves beyond just Sunday morning and moves into the whole week. That's why we have things like journey groups and other special events, so we can be together more than just on Sundays. 
The early church devoted itself to teaching, to fellowship, to eating together, and finally, to prayer. The early church prayed for each other. They devoted themselves to it. They made a practice of praying regularly. Just as in James, it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The early church knew that prayer was a powerful weapon. They knew that when they prayed, miracles happened. When they prayed, people were healed. When they prayed, Peter was released from prison. When they prayed, they received wisdom about how to incorporate diverse people into the body of Christ. When the church prays, things happen. And so we need to pray. We make it a priority here at Harbor to pray for each other. That's why we've started to incorporate time of prayer into the service so we can lift each other up together. That's why every week we ask you for your prayer requests on those connect cards because we want to be praying for you. That's why I love nothing more than after church on Sunday when I see a small group of people together with heads bowed. I love when we share a request, a struggle, something that's going on in our lives. And instead of saying, oh, I'll pray for you and leaving, we do it right then. Am I the only one? Like, I'll forget. If I say I'll pray for you later, I'm not going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm going to forget. I'm going to go home and take a nap and then it'll be gone. So I want to pray for you right now. So let's do that as a community. Let's pray for each other right now in the moment. The early church devoted itself to the community of Christ's body. The early church made a steadfast commitment to learning together, to being together, to eating meals together, to praying together. And the last few verses of this passage tell us what happened as a result of that. Verses 43 to 47 say, And awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had everything in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The result of the early church's choice, stubborn choice, to devote themselves to their community was a communal sense of awe at what God was doing. They looked around at the healing, the answered prayers, and they couldn't believe what they were seeing. They saw the rich people in their church literally selling their property to help the poor. Acts 4.34 said that there were no poor people in the church because they operated not as a hierarchical organization, but as a family. So they didn't consider anything they had to belong to themselves, but to the community. Their spiritual unity, their shared commitment to the gospel of Jesus, their shared commitment to the God's mission of shalom played out in material ways. So anything that could lead to life, anything that could bring peace, anything that could put an end to poverty or despair, they gladly gave it because they were on a mission from God and they were willing to give anything they had so that other people could experience God's shalom. Everything they did had the purpose of announcing the good news of Jesus. 
the good news of God's love. Another result of the early church's devotion to each other is highlighted in verse 47. The early church had favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The most remarkable outcome of the early church's stubborn commitment to community was that more and more people wanted in. This is exactly what Jesus said would happen in John 17, 21. This is what he prayed for. The night before Jesus died, he prayed for the church. He prayed that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us. So Jesus prayed that just as the Trinity is completely in unity, that we would be like that, that the church would be like the Trinity, that unified, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is what happens when the body of Christ devotes itself to unity, devotes itself to learning together, being together, sharing with each other, loving each other. When the world sees the way we love each other, despite our many differences, that is what will cause them to believe in Jesus. Listen, when we devote ourselves to community, it blesses the church and amazes the world. When we stubbornly choose to commit ourselves to the community, it's good for us. (laughs) And when we do that, it causes the world to take notice. So what will it take? (laughs) What will it take for us to devote ourselves to community? In these next few minutes, I want to just give you some time to consider how God is speaking to you today. Where have you struggled to make a conscious choice to stubbornly commit to the community of Christ? Have you maybe been holding the church community community at arm's length because you don't want to be hurt again? That's understandable. Have you maybe been making things other than the community of Christ a priority? Have you held back from being honest about your needs and how we can help you? Have you held back from giving what you have to give? Listen, there are so many ways we all need to grow, okay? My goal isn't to make anyone feel guilty about places where you have room to grow. I just want to invite you into a deep community that will bless you, where you will be known and loved, where you will have your needs met and you will be a part of meeting the needs of others. I want you to experience the depth of relationship that is possible when we're honest and when we move through conflict in a gracious way. In the past couple of years, there are a lot of reasons that have made it difficult to choose to devote ourselves to the community. I know that. COVID made connection hard. It messed up some of our routines about being together. We've experienced disappointment at the very public failures of people in the church. We've gotten used to being in our PJs instead of interacting with people. (laughs) I have. (laughs) That's a struggle for me. I get that. But we believe here at Harbor that loving deeply in community is a non-negotiable for the church. So we want to help you do that. If it's been hard for you to engage in the community here at Harbor, please tell us how we can help. If you're here in person today, I'll be out in the cafe. I'd love to talk with you. 
If something's on your mind about what's making it hard for you to devote yourself to the community here at Harbor, I want to know. Our leaders want to know. If you're online this morning, Cricket is the host, and she'd love to talk to you. We want to know how we can help. So you can email me. You can email the elders. Our emails are up on the screen. And we'll follow up with you. We want to help. (laughs) But Harbor, let's choose each other. Let's devote ourselves to love deeply in community. So I'm going to pray, and then you're going to have some time to ask God what it is that he's saying to you this morning. There's questions at the bottom of the sermon outline if those are helpful for you, or you can just sit quietly and listen to what God's saying. But let's ask God how we can choose to devote ourselves to loving deeply in community here at Harbor. Let me pray. God, we are so thankful for this community that we have here. We have seen the gift it is to belong to a body of Christ, to have encouragement from each other, to have um, a market basket gift card show up in our mail when we're going through a hard time, or flowers, or just a, a card to say that someone's thinking of you. We've experienced that here. And we confess we've experienced the hard parts of community. We've been annoyed with each other. We've been hurt by each other. We've prioritized other things than this community. So we confess we need your help. We need your help to stubbornly choose community. So God, will you speak to each of us as individuals and as a community this morning, God, about how we can better choose community. In Jesus' name, amen.